0: This is the Daddy Saturday Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Daddy Saturday Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Batt. I am joined today by Rory Fairbarns, and I'm so excited to have Rory on the podcast today to talk about a topic that is near and dear to my heart. It's something that I have done in my own life for the last two years. And I can say has is 10x my life and not only my physical health, but my emotional, spiritual health and my relationships. And that is to quit drinking alcohol. And Rory's got an amazing story and an amazing platform and movement rather that he's now launched. And I'm excited to have you on the podcast, Rory, to talk about that and share that with our listeners.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for having me on the podcast. It's good to be here
0: so i had the pleasure of meeting rory's wife jen out in the spartan world championships in lake tahoe and just learned a ton about this movement this platform that he started called one year no beer you know it was interesting talking to his wife because i got to hear it from her perspective the changes that it had made in in him as a husband as a father and so i got to hear her story and now i'm excited to hear it from you rory uh, firsthand and this difference it's made in your life so why don't you just kind of take us back from the beginning Tell us about when you were in the middle of your career and kind of what led you up to make this decision to start one year no beer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I rather, um, I'm originally from the west coast of Scotland, Isle of Mull, synonymous with drinking culture over there, Um, pretty much born in a barrel, not quite. And I was ADHD, I really, really struggled to fit in and super hyperactive. And I didn't realize really, you know, when I started my first time I ever got drunk, I think I was. 12 years old, um, I'd seen my dad uh, mixing whiskey with a dark-colored liquid, liquid, so when I went rummaging in their booze cabinet, I found whiskey and port, mixed those two together in a Coke bottle, a liter, drank three-quarters of it, um, was horrifically, horrifically ill uh, for days afterwards, but I mean, hey, like most of us, that did not deter me, right? <laughs> that was... <laughs> wow. You know, um, uh, at 14 years old, I wrote a letter to Richard Branson and I said, um, I'm going to change the world one day and I'm looking forward to having lunch with you. Richard Branson did not reply. So lunch is definitely on him. Uh, Set up my first business when I was 15. By the time I was 25, I'd tried five different enterprises, uh, the biggest of which employed 10 people for three years in Edinburgh. And through this, I'd been really the very sociable guy, continuing to party, but, you know, being successful or trying to be successful, you know, a, a bit of a career and also, you know, being an entrepreneur. And rather randomly through the TV program, The Apprentice, which, by the way, just for the record, we over here in the UK started that program. You guys copied it, but we can move past Uh that. And and, um, I actually got accepted for series two of The Apprentice, went down for the beginning of the filming, sat outside the studio for four hours. And eventually the producers came out and said, look, we can't explain it, but you're not going on the show this time. And um, rather randomly, uh, just shortly after that, that event, I bumped into an oil broker and ended up becoming an oil broker in London. And for me, that's when two worlds collided. Um, you know, the entrepreneurial business world and partying. Um, the more I partied, the more successful I was. And uh, I started on crude oil, and was the biggest desk in the world's largest oil brokerage and made a bit of a name for myself very quickly. As a job, you know, I'm required to entertain, I'm required to take customers out. I was very good at that part. And then I set up the jet aviation desk, which is a desk that they'd tried with teams of guys to break into previously and failed. And, and I made it market leader in under three years. So I was a very successful oil broker. But this had come at a bit of a cost. And you sort of have heard um, a lot of the inside track from my wife. You know, the reality is coming home at Tuesday on a four o'clock in the morning without can't find my keys, you know, falling asleep on the doorstep. Look, this wasn't all the time. That was like once in a blue moon. But that was the kind of behavior that she was having to put up with. And I'd met my wife, we now had our first child and Jen sort of infamously says, when we had our first child, um, Jen calmed down everything and I stepped it up a notch. And this is an interesting subject I love to talk to dads about because I think they'll resonate. You could call this an excuse. I I don't know. Maybe it is. But the physical changes that happen to a woman when they have a child and, you know, all of that cycle, that very motherly instinct, for me, the run up to having a child. I was absolutely petrified. I was like, this is the end of my life. I'm now no longer, you know, must get out there and conquer everything. This is the end. I have to look after another child. So I was like, quick, get me out, escape. I didn't really know how to deal with it. So definitely was going out more. And then once there was a child there, my firstborn, you know, I love being a dad. I absolutely love it more than anything on the earth. It's just amazing. But still, I was like, oh my God, this is insane. (laughs) A newborn baby, how much can I do? I don't know what I'm doing you know, so it was a, a very intense period. And I'm lucky, I think, that my wife has, you know, you've better, she's pretty strong minded, strong willed. Um, and she put her foot down a lot with this. Um, and one day I, I was on the train on the way to work and uh, I looked down at this message, having come home previously late the night before, and it said, I'll be in Sweden with Tilly. That was our first born daughter. And I knew what that text message meant. That text message meant, uh, sort your life out, pal. I can't stand this drinking. And it took me some time, but I was caught in this place of being successful with the job, the requirements of the job, and yet wanting to be a good father and wanting to be a good husband. And those two seemed to be very much in competition with each other. And whenever I spoke to my peer circle, they were like, ah, you know, that's what women are like. And that's, you know, whatever, and blah, 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 blah. So there was that. And it was just so confusing. Um, and I approached my my boss and I said, Look, I'm I'm thinking about taking a break from booze. And he said, You're committing commercial suicide if you stop drinking. And for somebody who'd built up a very successful desk, I was like, Wow, that means I'm I'm no longer gonna be that superstar broker. I'm saying goodbye to this career if I if I don't drink. It took me six months to eventually pluck up the courage. And then I took a 90-day break and I was blown away with how much life improved. I mean fitter faster i lost a ton of weight psoriasis disappeared a decade of ibs disappeared I i was a better father better husband i grew my business i reduced my costs every area of my life improved every area Right, so the perception of not drinking, which is you either have gone off the deep end and you're a social you know, reject, go and hide in a corner somewhere and admit you've got a problem, or you know, the whole thing of like, I'm not going to have any friends, I don't know where I'm going to socialize, all of the fears, I'm going I'm to no longer be a top broker right? because I'm committing commercial suicide, bollocks, absolutely untrue. Right. And this is all part of the nonsense brainwashing that goes on around alcohol from our society, from our peers, from the marketing. It's nonsense. So I sat back and I was like, this is unbelievable. And I got together with Andy. He'd just done six months alcohol free. And we said, look, there is something huge here. People do not realize the benefits of taking a break from booze, right? When you say to people, why don't you give up drinking? They're like, why would I wanna do that? I mean, it's my source of success, of fun, of happiness, of relaxation. It's how I win deals, how I do business, it's how I go and get laid, paid, whatever it is, right? So people are in fully plugged in the matrix. So no matter of me standing in front of them going, hey, your life is gonna get so much better if you don't drink, isn't going to get them to see over the line, how do I get them to do this? I know what, let's just make it a challenge. And that is where One Year No Beer was launched. Let's just call it a challenge. Look, I don't care how much you drink, how little you drink, it doesn't matter, it's irrelevant. Just do a 90 day challenge or a 28 day challenge. Anyone can do it, come and give it a try. Meanwhile, while you've got them on that challenge, Plumb them them through of this educational lessons, rethink their relationship with alcohol, start seeing the impact it's having on, and then they will realize for themselves the impact that alcohol is having on their life. That was the idea. We're now 70,000 members, over 70,000 members in 90 countries. Changed a lot of people's lives. It's
0: definitely changed my life. And yeah, that's one year no beer. Unbelievable story. And, you know, as I want to go back and unpack a couple of those those pieces. And, you know, I think you said a couple of things in there that are just so mind blowing and really hit home with a lot of the listeners. So as a man in particular, a lot of times we have things that are driving behind us, we have an ego, we've got our career success, we have a a social stigma that we want to live up to. And you talked about some of those things, it can be hard to overcome some of those barriers or obstacles to quitting drinking. And I think there's a story that we tell ourselves in our heads, which is that if I stop drinking, then I will lose those things. And yet, at the same time, there was a tipping point for you. There was something there that said, not what motivates me, but for what am I motivated to quit drinking? And you did it. So, what was that tipping point for you, Rory? The real point
1: where I entered into this was my wife and I had always had a tumultuous relationship, communication being one of the most difficult things and quite a large amount of anger. And, you know, she'd had a difficult upbringing and brought a lot of that into the marriage. I'd been sitting on one side of the fence saying, you need to go and fix your anger problems. She'd been sitting on the other fence saying, it's your drinking that's the problem. And there was this... No, I'm not going to move if you don't move. Now, the one thing I've learned from being in counseling since I'm six years old and counseling, coaching or something pretty much all of my life and grown up around self-help and stuff like that is that standing opposite somebody expecting them to change is never going to get you anywhere. The only person you can change is yourself. So in order to understand better this anger, I decided to take an anger management program online. And as I started going through that myself to better understand hers, I discovered I have quite a lot of anger. And that was really interesting insight for me. But the first thing I learned was alcohol and coffee are the two biggest instigators of anger. And I didn't realize that. So I said, well, this is a 90-day course. While I'm doing this course, I'm dropping both. So I did. And that is the piece that pushed me over the line. I think the biggest thing here is that what we want to say with One Year No Beer is there is no rock bottom. Okay. My My wife didn't leave me. Okay, yeah, sure, there was, you know, arguments and shouting and all this stuff in difficult times, there there was definitely lots of, she wasn't leaving me, I wasn't um, caught for drink driving, I wasn't drinking at home every day. I mean, in the eyes of my co-brokers, I wasn't a problem drinker, I was a lightweight, right? (laughs) You know, uh, this is not about coming to Problem City. This is not about, okay, I've checked out now. I'm one of those people. I need a rubber stamp. You're a problem drinker. Go and get in the queue over there. Forget that. Okay, this was about me saying I want to be better and I'm trying to improve myself. And that's what One Year No Beer is about is entirety. Forget everything you know. It's not even give up. There is nothing to give up, right? I I I love drawing attention to this. Stick into Google, what is alcohol? Right. It says it's a colorless, flammable, volatile liquid also, ne- also used as a fuel source. It's ethanol. Tell me, how many people are running around into um, shops, uh, hardware stores to buy ethanol because they're gagging for a drink? Zero. Tell me how many research studies have been done that prove that putting ethanol into the human body is good for you? Zero. Never. Nada. Nada. Okay, so let's just talk about what it really is. The flip side of that is, you know, this is ethanol. It is a poison. That's 100% what it's doing. The flip side of that is we're also not abstinence only. Okay, so I still drink. I did two years alcohol-free, and then I decided I was going to drink in total control. So what does that mean? That means that sometimes I might have a drink. Sometimes I might not. I pick and choose. I often tell people I drink as much as I want whenever I want. I just usually choose not to have it because... I realize that what I'm doing is putting ethanol into my body and I feel horrendous afterwards. It kills my productivity. For the next week, I'm going to be anxious, <laughs> half depressed, frustrated, you know, cross, snappy.
0: Why do I want those things when I'm trying to be at peak performance? So that's interesting. And, and there's so many fathers out there and men listening to this podcast that fall into that same spectrum where they're like, I don't have a problem. I'm a social drinker, right? I, I drink because... I want to have a good time. I want to be social. You know, it's, it's what my dad did. It's what the culture does. And it's just who I am. I don't have a problem. And then there's some that say, Hey, I may be a social drinker, but I want to stop drinking. I just don't know how to do it. Right. Because, and they're so afraid of the consequences or the, the parent consequences that they build up in their mind, of what that might look like. So what would you say to that person who's who cl- classifies themselves as more of that social drinker and just says, I don't necessarily think I have a problem but I want to stop. So how do I do that?
1: Well, two parts to it. One is, as mentioned before, forget about whether you think you've got a problem or not. It's come and do the challenge. Um, So what I'm saying is that you've been searching for upgrades. You've been trying to look at your sleep, your diet, your fitness. You've been tweaking your gym training. You've been thinking about supplements. You've been thinking, these are all the things that you're like, how can I get an upgrade? How can I feel better? How can I get fitter? How can I get faster? Stop. There is one thing. It's a gateway. And that gateway is alcohol. And that's as simple as the moment you leave booze at the door, it opens up the gateway for you to focus on your health. And we've seen this with thousands, tens of thousands of people all over the world, even the light drinkers. So we're really for people drinking anything more than three glasses of wine a week, right? So that's very light drinking, anyone up to heavier drinking, they will see a massive benefit to taking a break from booze. There's two parts to that. One is quit uh, not drinking looks like this and many people have done it before i'm going to not drink for a month what i'm going to do is i'm going to cancel my social challenge i'm going to avoid all my cancel my social calendar i'm going to avoid all my friends i'm going to hide away as a hermit i'm going to be bored out my mind i'm going to be angry on twitter saying this is boring i hate this right and then I'm going to count down the days to the first of the month so I can go and get completely smashed at my face again. Now, the thing about drinking is that drinking is 100% psychology. It's been conditioned into us since we were knee-high to a grasshopper. That is what we do to celebrate, commiserate, congratulate at every opportunity. It's our source of success and fun and happiness. So in order to break those, we have to change our psychological, uh, our psychology around alcohol. So there's no point in doing that because all you do is reaffirm the limiting belief that alcohol is pertinent to your life. And we don't want to do that. What we want to show you is that alcohol-free is amazing, right? So when you're on this challenge, you're out and being more sociable. You're out, you're in the pub drinking alcohol-free beers. You're going, hang on a minute, that was awesome. I had a great night. I feel much better and I'm up having a run the next day. You make your calendar busier. You have more fun. All of these things so that you disassociate alcohol with success. You disassociate alcohol with fun, right? You disassociate alcohol with um, relaxation. Such a big one. Oh, I'm stressed at the end of the day. Kids, tired, work. I'm going to drink alcohol. Do you know, we talk about this because if the aliens came down at that time, and they were analyzing the situation, they're like, okay, there's a guy over there, he's stressed, he's tired, and he's reaching for the one thing that's going to make him more stressed and more tired, (laughs) because it reduces your sleep, it increases anxiety, and it's a depressant. Drugs beget themselves. What does that mean? When you start taking a drug, you need it again to feel normal. And that is the alcohol trap. When we break out of that, right, and we leave alcohol at the door, the reverse thing happens. It's the, the word word has shot at my head, but it's the opposite spiral effect. I choose to go for a beer. I have one, I think two, sod it. I can't be bothered to see my personal trainer tomorrow. I cancel it. In the taxi on the way home, I nip in to get grab a kebab, and I reach into the fridge because I'm hungry and I eat any old crap. i then there and the next day, and I think, I can't be bothered. I'm a bit sluggish, and I might have another beer at lunch. I'm in, into that cycle. The opposite. I leave alcohol at the door. No, thank you. I don't want a beer tonight. I go to the personal trainer. I eat the right things. I focus on my diet. I do the daily tasks in the One Year No Beer Challenge as an example, and I'm learning to live a life without booze that's where the big change in people's lives comes. So I think when you look at our transformations, people are totally transforming their lives. Um, I'll give you a couple of examples. We've got a guy, Ben, in Dubai. And Ben went through five rounds of IVF. He was told he had too low a swim count. They would never get pregnant naturally. 100 days into one year, no beer following the challenge, they're pregnant naturally. They've now had that baby, called her Amber after the color of our logo. This is... This is amazing stuff. We've actually had three one-year babies. And um, we've had a couple of weddings too, which is cool. Um, but this is why I love coming onto, uh, onto your podcast. I'm so passionate about this for dads. I think that dads who are struggling to get, or you know, dads who are struggling to get their wife pregnant second time or for the first time, if you're, if you're trying to get your wife pregnant, leave booze at the door. If you're trying to be a better dad and be more focused on your child, less stressed, calmer, more able to relax naturally um, and, and be there for your wife leave booze at the door. If you're having relationship issues, the number one thing for counts, couples counseling, anything like that should be, are you guys both drinking regularly? Yes. Okay. First of all, stop that because you don't know who you're talking to when you're drinking alcohol. You're, you're both talking to somebody different. So, uh, you know, I'm very passionate about spreading that message.
0: Well, I think you bring up a really important point and that is for, as a father, we often, you look at dads, All dads want to be better dads. They just don't know how, typically. They weren't given a field manual or a guidebook on how to be an amazing dad, right? doesn't happen. But you're giving us some advice and saying there's one thing you can do to make yourself a better dad, and that is consider your relationship with alcohol. And consider your relationship with alcohol as it relates to the other relationships in your life. And one of the principles of Daddy Saturday is all about just being an intentional and an engaged dad. And there were many points in my career when I was ascending that same ladder in corporate America where... I would come home stressed out, overwhelmed, overcome, tired on a Friday, have a couple beverages on Friday night and then wake up on Saturday and have to spend the whole day with my kids because my wife was working in our, you know, quote unquote, daddy Saturday. And I often say I had a dad hangover and it was it was a literal hangover because I had had drinks the night before, but it was also that physical hangover, that emotional hangover of not having to engage my kids and be that present and intentional dad. And so the moment I gave up alcohol, it changed everything for me because it just removed one more barrier to me being the dad that I ultimately wanted to be. And yeah, yeah, it's a sacrifice, but the end result, man, was it ever worth it? So talk to us for a minute about, you know, maybe your experience, you talked about your relationship with your wife, how did that change in your relationship with your kids and you being the dad that you were meant to be?
1: I think that, um, well, first of all, the part of Doing my bit first, which is something I'm absolutely key on with any guy in a relationship in a marriage if they want it to work is you take the step just you do you right Stop focusing on the other person and that's been my lesson time and time and time again and surely enough, it, sometimes it can be like a giant very large crude carrier which takes three days to course correct uh, and if you compare that so you know my wife might take six months or a year to follow, but it happens. And so yeah, as a father, just like you, I found myself so so much more able to be present. Um, it calmed down my levels. The thing about uh, so I'm ADHD, and the thing about ADHD is that we are amplifiers. So when you add in things like um, when you add in things like uh, drugs and caffeine or anything like that, I amplify them much more than people normally would uh, and um, and so for me alcohol was was so much more anxiety driving and so much more depression driving and really increased the ups and downs that i naturally get naturally get with adhd removing it i didn't realize that because i've been using it as a sort of numbing agent for so long which is the truth right the truth of why we drink alcohol is to numb out the world and um you know we're stressed numb we want to feel um less social anxiety numb we're trying to numb ourselves out let's call it what it is it's ethanol and you're numbing out those are the facts (laughs) okay (laughs) let's not beat about the bush here and anyway so when i when i removed that it was so much more engaging with my children now let's be honest Parenting is really tough. You know, at times it's incredibly challenging and I'm nowhere near perfect. Um, But I know I'm a much better dad than I was when I was regularly drinking. And for now, I know that because when I do choose to drink, I know that how much of a disservice I'm doing to them when I'm there with their time. You know, you talk about the Daddy Saturday and the planning and doing adventures together. That stuff just wouldn't happen that much. It just wouldn't. Um, This weekend, you know, Jen was away in London this weekend and she nipped away. And I'm not the guy to sit at home with my kids, right? If she's going away, we're going to go and have some amazing fun. So I'm like, right, girls, it's Saturday morning. What are we doing? What do you want to do? I want to go swimming. Well, should we go to a hotel? Let's go. So we go end up going to a hotel. We stayed at a lovely hotel with a swimming pool. Then we went to this amazing mountain biking center and took them down all the the tracks of the mountain biking magic weekend. They come home, they're just beaming, mum's there. Like, oh, you guys went out? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) You know, so (laughs) I just, I love being a dad. And the thing I know emphatically, and I think this is, I want to try and reach everybody with this. I want to, if you're listening now and there's even a slight modicum of thought in the back of your mind alcohol is is impeding you in any way in your life come and do the challenge and if you think it's not impeding me and i don't really drink that much and it's not really a problem do the challenge because then it's easy for you and i'm what i'm here telling you is that the biggest upgrade of your life is sitting here right under this alcohol thing. And if it's easy for you, that's why you should do it. Um, And then if you get to the end and you go, "Rory, you were full of shit. I don't feel better at all. You'll be the first person in over
0: 70,000 people to (laughs) to tell me that. (laughs) Well, Rory, you bring up such an uh, important time frame too, because right now we're at the the beginning of the calendar year. A lot of people have resolutions they've put in place. They want to get healthy. They want to get active. They want to change their diet, whatever it may be. I bet there's a lot of people that haven't thought about incorporating this into their resolutions. Or you talked earlier, um, maybe the word you were looking for, the word I use is keystone habits Mm -hmm. in that, you know, one habit begets another habit. And so when you put these positive habits in place during your resolution, you're trying to move yourself forward and do other positive things. Whereas if you keep alcohol as a part of that picture, then essentially you're taking yourself one step forward and two steps backwards every time you make that decision. So tell us about how we can get connected with One Year No Beer, how someone can do this challenge. And you know, right now when it's the strike, when the iron's hot, it's resolution time. How can they build some resiliency around stopping drinking alcohol?
1: Okay, so a couple of things in there. One is if you've ever tried a month off before and you've found it difficult, if you think that doing a month off would be difficult, if you're, or really we should be looking at 90 days, right? Month is like a trial. Anyone can do a month. In order for you to start changing that wiring in your brain, you need to do 90 days. And we've also proven that most people go through their epiphany between 40 and 60 days. So you might do a month and go, yeah, I sort of feel better, but not much. So that's not really what it's made up for. That's why you need to do the 90 because it's somewhere between 40 and 60 days. The biggest thing with this challenge is that we don't realize how impactful our society and the people around us are on our relationship with alcohol. So we did some research with Sterling University. It showed that 95% of people had had a drink when they didn't want to. For peer pressure, and that um, 84% experienced bullying from friends to drink alcohol, okay? So we realized that the peer pressure bit is one of the biggest bits that keeps wow. us drinking, makes us fall back, makes us think, ah, I'm being invited out. And if I don't drink, they're going to think I'm weak or pathetic or, you know, status, one of the most important things for us as, as an individual, we're always looking for status. So that's why we built a tribe. And the tribe is subconscious, right? This tribe, this feeling of belonging, It's not like I'm in a club now and I'm wearing a super badge. No, it doesn't go on there. What happens is is that when you're at a bar and somebody says, why are you not drinking? And you're like, that's you being triggered right there in terms of belonging. And if you don't have a tribe to belong to, it's so easy for you to fall over. So that's why we've seen phenomenal success with what we're doing. So in short, if you're thinking about taking a break from booze and coming to join us, check out oneyearnobeer.com. Uh, you could have a look at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash oneyearnobeer. There are loads of testimonials, videos, inspiring stories of people before and afters, people losing five stone. And I mean, just amazing, amazing stories. Start looking at that stuff. Of course, we have a podcast as well, um, inspiring guests, which you're going to be on shortly. And um, so very inspiring guests and um, have have a little listen to some of that stuff. The thing about this challenge is if this is the first time you've ever heard about not drinking and you're starting to think about it, now might not be the right time. You look at it and you've got some events up ahead and you're like, I'm not sure I can do it then because of this and that. Well, that's why we need to start the process of you thinking about your relationship with alcohol differently so that you're ready to go. And the Biggest piece with the events up ahead is that they're not a reason not to do a challenge. They're the reason to do the challenge. You see, Justin and I know each other through Joe DeSena and the founder of Spartan. What an amazing human being. And our challenges are very similar. His is a physical challenge. Ours is a mental challenge. But ours is going against society to change your relationship with alcohol. And the obstacles are Friday in the pub, they're the weddings, they're the boozy lunch with the, the office. Those are the obstacles. And guess what? When you get over the um, rope climb or the 20 kilo dumbbell carries on a Spartan, you feel amazing about yourself. And that's exactly the same as achieving these events. So the events that you're worried about up ahead, they're the reason to get started.
0: So I think to sum all this up, you know, as I look at Daddy Saturday, some of the principles that we have, one of the things that we talk about is creating a painted picture for what you want your family to look like 20, 30 years down the road. And it's in vivid detail and setting a mission and vision and values for your family and setting goals. And again, this time of the year is so important. And I don't see how you can't, as a, as a father who wants to be intentional, who wants to be engaged with his kids and create not only good kids, but great adults, how you don't consider giving this a shot and taking this challenge on. Because it's so important, if you want to reach that goal and that vision that you've set for yourself down the road, to at least consider this and see what it can do for you. Because, look, I'm a believer. I'm I'm two years into this process of no alcohol, not a drop for two years, and it's dramatically changed my life. And you know, I'm an ambassador for what you're doing, and we'll be on the podcast soon talking about that. So I would just encourage any of our listeners, go check out the resources, One Year No Beer. I've got a copy of the book as well. We'll post all of the links in the show notes so people can access it easily. And Rory, I just want to thank you and your team and what you guys are doing and, and you and Jen just for putting this out there and sharing your personal experience and helping others. Because I think that's what we need in this society today is more people who are willing to step forward, be transparent, say, I have a problem, but here's how I've solved it. And I want to create a community or a tribe so help other people do the same thing. So thank you.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on.
0: It's been a pleasure. All right. Well, thanks for listening to the Daddy Saturday podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. This was an amazing episode. Make sure you subscribe down below in the show notes to get weekly access to Daddy Saturday podcast with our incredible guests. And until next time, make it a great Daddy Saturday. Thanks for listening to the Daddy Saturday podcast. Be sure to subscribe to join me and thousands of other fathers in the journey of raising good kids to become great adults. And be sure to check out daddysaturday.com for our latest resources, content, and epic ideas for how you can be a more intentional and engaged father. And we'll see you here on the next episode of the Daddy Saturday Podcast. Thanks for listening.